0: This is the Better Than Before Betrayal Podcast, Episode 3, I Take Responsibility for My Happiness. Have you or someone you know experienced betrayal from a husband's pornography use, sexually compulsive behaviors, or other forms of infidelity? Hi, I'm Ruthie. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and a life coach certified through the Life Coach School. In this podcast, I will share my experience of growth and healing as I have learned tools and concepts to help me take responsibility for my own happiness, find peace, confidence, and become a stronger version of myself. Come with me and let me show you how to have a life that is better than before betrayal. Hi there. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you found me. As you may know, I'm starting this podcast by telling you the many ways my life is better after betrayal than it was before. In the last episode, I told you about how I talk to myself more than I listen to myself. And in this episode, I want to talk to you about something else I do that makes my life better now. And that is, I take responsibility for my own happiness. Like many people, I believe that it was my spouse's job to make me happy. I would never admit that. If you would have asked me, I would have definitely have said that my happiness was my responsibility. But deep down, I kind of did believe that my happiness was based on external circumstances. One of those external circumstances being my husband. All the while, I would proclaim to believe that my happiness was up to me. Remember, I told you that we lie to ourselves all the time. And believe me, my brain still goes to the idea that if my husband did things differently, I would be happier. I've got to be onto myself. You've got to be onto yourself as well. So anyway, there I was, trying to be happy, thinking that everything outside of me was supposed to create that happiness. Having an inkling that this wasn't true, But still, come on, how was I supposed to just choose to be happy when life wasn't how I thought it should be all the time? I used to think about those uh, polls that people take. I often pondered the question, are you happily married? Do you know how you would answer this question? I wondered if I was asked this question in a poll, how I would Honestly, answer. There was so much good in my marriage, yet I didn't have the marriage I wanted and I didn't know how to get it. I resented so much. I didn't express a lot of my desires and opinions. I wasn't willing to get vulnerable. I lived in a bit of self preservation mode. I thought my happiness depended on my husband's behavior. I gave away so much power. I knew in my head that I was responsible for my own happiness, but I didn't know how to take that responsibility. I learned from other people with human brains that other people's actions were the cause of my emotions. We're great. Right? <laughs> we're conditioned to believe this. Have you ever told your children or anyone, you make me so happy? Or that makes me so happy? Your parents probably said it to you. You have said it to your kids and grandkids. We say it all the time. We think other people make us happy. We may even get this idea in well-meaning marriage books. These books can contain helpful, tr- helpful truths, and yet we may get the idea from these books that it is possible for us to make our spouse happy and that they can make us happy. We can't do that, and they can't do that we have to choose to be happy. We have to choose to be happy. If we use these books as tools for conversations to gain understanding of what we and our partner prefer, these books can be very helpful. That is different than taking responsibility for making our partner happy or taking the blame for their unhappiness or blaming them for our unhappiness. Two of these books that came to mind as I was thinking about this, filled with good material to prompt conversation, as long as you don't believe that you have the responsibility for their happiness. I'm sure you've heard of the five love languages. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch, now, most likely you and your spouse have a different primary love language. You think you're showing love and they don't feel loved because you aren't speaking their love language. This is a great example of how love can be expressed by one person and not felt by the other. My husband loves to work in the yard. He works in the yard from sunup to sun down Down some days. His secondary Love language is acts of service. He thought he was expressing his love to me by beautifying our yard. And he does plant vegetables that he won't even eat just for me. Well, I didn't receive that love. Because my secondary love language is quality time. I thought he was avoiding me. That he didn't want to be with me. All thoughts in my head. You can see how this is problematic. You probably have examples of this in your own life. You are expressing your love in a way that your husband didn't feel it. And then we blame our partner for our not feeling loved and our unhappiness. See how much work we have to do with our brains? Now we can certainly make requests. Let's face it, there are things our spouses do that we like and things that They do that we don't like because we have thoughts about those things. It is and was definitely helpful for Mark and I to have a conversation, several of them actually, to tell each other what actions on their part generate our thoughts of feeling loved. We can share how we feel loved best and find out from them what things you can do that help them feel love, again, generate thoughts in them that create the feeling of love. And hopefully, they're willing to show up in that way. And if not, that doesn't mean they don't love you. My primary love language is physical touch. And secondary is quality time. And I like all the others. I think they're all important. And I don't think that makes me needy. I don't expect them all the time. I think the real benefit to knowing your partner's love language is that you know what's important to your spouse and they know what's important to you. And you each get to show up how you want. You know what your partner wants in your relationship. More information is always better. Another book that we read that someone recommended to us is His Needs, Her Needs, Building an Affair-Proof Marriage. Ouch. It was a bit too late for that already. My husband and I read the book together. It was very painful. While I don't agree with the author that if we fulfill the needs of our partner, quote unquote, they won't have an affair. I do recommend reading it for the conversation opportunities at the end of each chapter. When a spouse cheats on their partner, it is not because their partner didn't fulfill their needs. The cheater may believe that that is true, but they're just justifying their actions. It's not the spouse's responsibility to fulfill needs. It's helpful to know what your spouse wants. I propose a title change to this book, His Wants, Her Wants, Conversations to Learn, what your spouse values. Reading it in this frame is much more useful. It's not your responsibility, again, to fill your husband's needs so that they don't cheat on you. If I understand what my spouse would like, I can choose to fill that desire and I can choose to do it just because I want to be that kind of wife. Not necessarily because I want to even. We do a lot of things in this life that we don't want to. I would tell my kids, you don't have to want to clean your room, but do it anyway. And I choose not to do something my husband requests. And if I don't do it, it doesn't mean that I don't love him. Anyway, what I'm trying to point out is that my happiness is up to me and my husband's happiness is up to him. And we can be happy together, even if I don't do everything he wants me to do, and he doesn't do everything I want. I learned the skills. I learned how to take back the power to my happiness. Again, I don't always use these skills. I have to remind myself to use them. Frequently. (laughs) My brain loves to slip back into my old patterns, for sure. And now... When I use this skill, I can say I'm happily married because I choose to be. That doesn't mean we've made it. That's not a thing. We have so much more to learn and to get good at. I have so much to learn and do. So many times I have to remind myself to use my skills. And that's what this life is about. Progressing. If you want to be happily married, you need to learn to take that power back or realize that it was always yours. That means taking responsibility for your happiness and not thinking you're responsible for anyone else's happiness. Do not misunderstand me. This does not mean that you don't care about others. Loving others brings joy into your life. Love is the best feeling to feel. Do all the things that you want to do for others. Show up as the person you want to be, full of kindness, love, and compassion, if that's the kind of person you want to be. So show up as the person you want to be and don't expect others to make you happy. So how do I take responsibility for my happiness? I realize that it is my thoughts that create it. A few years ago, I was participating in the Epic Wives Experiment. Lara Heck shared her experience of rose-colored glasses and poop-colored glasses. She used a different word that I don't use. So she was describing one morning when she woke up with her alarm at 5.30 a.m. She looked at her husband sleeping next to her and thought, There he is, continuing to sleep, and felt a bit resentful. She then noticed that he had put on a bit of weight over the years, judged him. As she walked to the bathroom, she noticed some of his clothes piled on the floor and grumbled to herself about that. And so the day went. Guess what kind of day she had. She said she was looking through poop-colored glasses. Then she rethought and retold the same story to illustrate that we have a choice. We have a choice to look at life through poop-colored glasses or rose-colored glasses. The facts don't change, just our thinking about our circumstances. When her alarm went off and she saw her husband continuing to sleep, she remembered that it was she who had made the commitment to herself that she was going to wake up at 5.30 a.m. to exercise. She had decided no one else. She then remembered that he had gotten up in the night with their child. She felt gratitude for him. When she noticed the weight he had gained, she could choose not to judge him for it. Then she saw the clothes on the floor. Was that really a problem? It doesn't mean anything about her. She reviewed her options. She could get mad about them. She could step over them. She could pick them up for him. She could make her choice. She could choose. How do you think this version of her day went? What do you want to choose? I love President Nelson's 2016 quote. The joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. I would discover my husband's affair six months after hearing this quote. And like I've said, and you may know from your experience, I knew something was going on. This powerful quote came at a time that was challenging for me to believe it. The joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. When I discovered the choices my husband was making, I was crushed. It hurt so much. If someone had told me at that time that happiness was available to to me right then, I would have said that they were crazy. I spent so much time in indulgent emotion, throwing pity parties for myself. I didn't think happiness was possible. You may be there, and that's okay. You may be in that part of your story that you aren't sleeping at night. You may spend most of your day walking around numb, in disbelief of what your life is, living in fear of what has happened, what might happen, waiting for the other shoe to drop, and scared most of the time, if not all of the time. Let me tell you now that you can have happiness right now if you are willing to allow all emotions. Let them in and let them pass through you, not in a hurry to get rid of them. That doesn't work. Just allowing them compassionately. There's a lot of clean pain there. Don't fight it and resist it you'll find peace and happiness. You might be saying, I am feeling them. I'm crying all the time. Now, I am an advocate of crying, and that is part of allowing clean pain. However, it isn't processing it through. There's more to it, and I can show you how to do that. So I want to shift gears a little bit here um, and talk about what I do to add to my happiness. Well, I think thoughts that bring joy and happiness. I do things that make those thoughts come to my mind more readily. So again, our happiness is about our thoughts, not about the circumstances of our lives, not about our actions or anybody else's actions. But we can choose to do things that Bring thoughts of happiness. So I'll share with you some of the things that I do. You might want to make a list of your own. I start each day with prayer and scripture study. Something that I want to share with you about scripture study, I'm sure you've already heard it, but I'm going to remind you, there is no wrong or right way to do it. No wrong or right time to do it. There have been times in my life that I didn't do it. The times that I have done it, I have done it in so many different ways. Do what's right for you, what works. Let the Holy Spirit guide. He is a crucial companion. He will help you along your journey. Prayer. Tell Heavenly Father about your struggles. We know that he already knows them. And it can be therapeutic to voice them to him anyway. He wants to hear from you. It brings a deeper connection to him. Invite the powers of heaven to be with you. They are there. Open yourself to feeling them. Exercise. I like to exercise. Well, correction. I like the effects of exercise. Someday, sometimes I enjoy it while I'm doing it, but not always. And I do it anyway. I like the effects of exercise. Eat well. I like, quote unquote, health, healthy foods. My favorite food is salad with salad dressing laden with sugar. And that's okay. I want to take care of my body. I do eat treats every day, more than is good for me, I'm sure. I try not to think of foods as good or bad, and I just feel better when I eat me some veggies. Uh, The next one is get enough sleep. I love sleep. I have lost a lot of sleep over the years, and I'm an early to bed, early to rise kind of gal. It works for me. I know it's not for everyone. At ten times when I've experienced heightened emotions because I'm worried about my husband's actions, sleep doesn't come. I have learned at those times to count my breaths. I just lay still in my bed and tell myself, this is my rest and restore time. If I don't sleep, at least I'm resting. And I always say a prayer and ask for sleep to come. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. Sleep is important for our emotional health, so make it a priority. Go outside every day. I have worked from home for many years. There were days that I realized at the end of the day that I didn't step outside at all. I now try to get outside every day. I go for a walk or a run, or even sometimes I just step outside and enjoy some fresh air, if nothing more, than for a few minutes. Dance and hip circles. I love to dance. I am not a dancer. I just love to move my body. I love Zumba, although I don't do it often. I do hip circles or just put on some dance music and dance in the kitchen or dance my way down the hall. It makes me smile. Laugh. Oh, how we need to laugh. Sometimes when I have cried so much, I just need to laugh. It was tricky to find humor that I didn't get triggered by in the beginning. It's out there. You can find it. I love dry bar comedy. It's clean comedy. And that Could even trigger me in my early days of recovery work. Um, But find a way to laugh often. Smile. Sometimes I just decide to smile. It brightens my mood. Music. I love music. I'm not a musician. I play music on Spotify. I almost always have some playing. As a massage therapist... The peaceful music I work to has such a calming effect on my mind. I love a lot of different types of music. It can bring calmness, joy, peace to my heart and mind. And it can also bring fun energy and excitement. Mindfulness. A mindfulness practice has served me very well. I don't always do it as much as I have in the past or as much as I'd like to. I do it my own way. Usually lying down because I can't touch the floor while sitting in a chair. And that's okay. Again, no right or wrong way to do a lot of things. Mindfulness is a very helpful skill for life in many ways. Serve someone. I mentioned that I work from home. I don't always know what the needs are of my neighbors, friends, and family or ward members. I do try to serve when opportunities come to my attention. And again, sometimes the Spirit guides me in that. I do love that my work is serving others with gifts and talents that I've been blessed with. And I try to help others in the ways that I can. Maybe you would like to make a list of the things that you enjoy doing. You may be in a place where you don't know what you like to do you don't remember. I've been there. Dig deep if needs be. Remember what you used to do. It can be helpful to write these things down and refer to it often. Remember, it isn't the activity that brings happiness. It's the thoughts that you think while doing these things that generate the happiness. So now I take responsibility for my own happiness. I had to learn how it took work. It still takes work every day. And I love the power this gives me. Happiness comes in small doses. We aren't meant to feel happy all the time. I love those moments when I'm doing any old mundane task, like unloading the dishwasher. And my heart is filled with this feeling of peace, contentment, and joy. I'm thinking life is good. The moment doesn't last forever. Another thought comes in and brings another emotion. But I bask in the moment of life is good for as long as it lasts. And I'm grateful for it. I know that my life will bring more trials, more learning opportunities. Everyday life brings opportunities for me to practice my skills. And I am grateful for the growth. Opportunities my life has brought me. I want to end with a concept taught by Brooke Castillo, founder of the Life Coach School. She says, When we start to believe that how we feel isn't a choice, we get ourselves into trouble. You might not believe that yet, and that's okay. I want you to ponder it though. We get to choose. We get to take responsibility for our own happiness. That responsibility doesn't belong to anyone else. Taking responsibility for your happiness will bring you a life that is better than before betrayal. It is possible. Thanks so much for listening today. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me. I hope that what I have shared today is helpful and hope-filled for you. If you know someone that would find this podcast helpful, please share it. If you are ready for one-on-one coaching to help you take responsibility for your own happiness, to find growth and healing from what you have experienced, please go to betterthanbeforebetrayal.com and schedule a free session to find out how I can help you on your journey. I'd love to talk to you. See you soon.